I want to share some thoughts regarding the story of Hannah. Uh, a few different than what Kurt had, but similar. Very important in this particular story of 1 Samuel to note that um, Hannah was part of a polygamous marriage. Now, in our theology, we would say that the Bible is not real specific against polygamy. You know, there's a few points that come out. Uh, Leaders are told to have one wife by Paul. But when you look for specific thou shalt not, uh, in the Old Testament, you find in the Old Testament law, a man wasn't to marry sisters. And that's interesting because Leah and Rachel were the core of Israel, but you know, they're looking going, this is not a good idea. What we apply is, in a sense, inferred theology from what we see in examples Hagar and, and Sarah, uh, intense rivalry. Um, you have Rachel and Leah, again, intense rivalry. In this particular story, you have a situation of two wives who uh, are not getting along, and particularly the one is, is uh, chewing on the other all the time. You don't have babies. I have babies. What are you bringing to this? Uh, I can go back to Genesis, and I see God creating one man, one woman. And I think that applies to a multitude of things. Had God wanted only to populate the earth, he could have made a number of women for Adam, right? But we look at that and we say what he was designing was an intimacy that was to be body, soul, and spirit tied together and out of that, you have the, the opportunity for this wonderful oneness to, in a sense, also be passed on to the next generation and the best training platform for such a thing. Now, the closest thing that we have to this of uh, blended family, so to speak, is something very common in our day, and it is the blended family. And many people walk through similar situations where they, by no choice of their own, maybe were the kid brought into a family setting, and they're going, my new mom doesn't really want me. Or my new dad has no interest in my life. I've often sat down with couples that were wanting to get married and and heard a guy say, well, you know, as far as her children, I'm really not going to, discipline, it's up to her to, you know, she's, she's the one who has a relationship with him. I'm going, what are, are you talking getting married or is this some kind of contract? You know, if you're going to be one, you're going to have to deal with all the issues as well. And there's got to be a wholehearted involvement in this whole thing, not just, you know, her part. But the chaos of, of these situations is, is sorrowful to many. And, uh, you know, there are, are, are situations where, you know, sometimes blended families do work. You know, Char will say that in her family, her father loved all of the children equally. And, and that, was, that was very noble 
and a good thing. It doesn't always work out that way. I've heard some of your stories, similarly, of this, this competition, so to speak, inside the family that really wasn't meant to be there. We had a situation, and I had a nephew living with me for about a year and a half, very close to Nathan in age. They shared a room together. I found out after he left that he had been threatening Nathan almost every night since he'd been there. I'm going to kill you when you go to sleep tonight. That's not real good for a young boy. I didn't know about it. We knew the struggle, but we had no idea of the intensity of it behind the scenes. So I asked Nathan, well, why didn't you say something? Well, I knew if I did, you'd send him away. So he took it on as a ministry, even in a sense, as a kid, nine, ten years old, just going, this is part of the price, and I'm going to do this, which is amazing to me. But I certainly did not want that to happen as a father. So when you read this story, you're reading of a very intense family relationship and a sorrow that's on this woman's heart. But what I want you to note is that her only true hope of change was in the Lord, and that in that God proves himself faithful, but like Kurt was alluding to earlier, sometimes the plans are not the same as what we intend. If you go through Scripture and you note the women that had been barren and then have a child late in life, there is a significant calling on each of those people. That God has, God has something in, in mind, even though the start isn't as fluid as what we think it should be. It's not as simple. It, it just, it's one of those things that you're looking, and this is, I would not have chosen this for a life. And for Hannah to go through this sorrow each year and, and, and trauma as a part of her life, God had very good intent for her son. But he was, in a sense, setting up this godly woman who's crying out, please help me. Please do something. So let's walk through this story. Elkanah had two wives, Hannah and Peniah. We went over that. Every year they would go and make a sacrifice to the Lord at Shiloh. It wasn't a, a situation like ours where it's every Sunday we get together, but Every year, they would make this journey and make this sacrifice before the Lord, and, and they would have this meal as a part of the sacrifice. And it says that Elkanah would give portions to Penina and her children, each one, and then he would give a double portion to Hannah. He's trying to make peace in the family. He's trying to let her know you're loved even though you don't have children. You know, even though there's this... In, this antagonism going on against her from the other wife. He's trying to say, I care about you. But it says, the Lord had closed her room and her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. She didn't choose to have this happen. Somebody chose to inflict this upon her. There are times when you get into relationships that you don't want that kind of connection but that's what happens. You don't have a choice over it, but it has to go into the Lord's hands and saying, God, I need relief here. 
It says it went on year after year. Anna went up to the house of the Lord. Her rival provoked her till she wept and would not eat. So here it is. She gets the double portion. The other gal keeps needling, needling, needling until she goes, I don't even want it. So she, she has twice as much, but there's no enjoyment in the meal. Enough so that she just says, forget it. Her husband responds, why are you weeping? Why don't you eat? Why are you downhearted? Don't I mean more to you than ten sons? He's doing his best to bring peace. It's just not happening. Once when they had finished eating and drinking, Shiloh, Hannah stood up. Eli sees her. And Hannah is there in bitterness of soul, it says, and wept much and prayed to the Lord. She made a vow. Lord Almighty, if you will, not, if you will look upon your servant's misery and remember me, not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I'll give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor will ever be used on his head. This is a similar Nazarite vow as to what Kurt was alluding to, Samson. It was a, a sign of dedication. And she says, I will give him to the Lord. I will devote his life unto the Lord. If you, if you give me a son, that's all I could ask for. I just, I'll give him back to you. It's interesting how, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's bargaining, so to speak, going on with the Lord where he, he probes our heart and he essentially gets us to a place where we need to be. I mean, we would not choose bitterness, we would not choose rivalry, we would not choose sorrow in any context. But given unto the Lord in the right setting, it can move us into areas that we would never explore. And in this case, she comes to this point and saying, this would be the child. You know, every dedication that we have up here, we say, Lord, this is your child. You've allowed us to be stewards of this child. She's saying, I will hand him back to you. God's timing, God's way, sorrow to victory. It's not a path that we desire, but it is a path that is available in sorrow. She kept praying to the Lord, and Eli observed her. She was praying in her heart. Her lips were moving. Her voice was not heard. I love that verse. <laughs> if you know me very well, um, not highly verbal outside the <laughs> preaching. Um, there are times for quiet prayer. <laughs> yeah, I'm off track, but uh, it's one verse. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Anyway, he thinks she's drunk. Sacrifice, celebration, probably not unusual. But he chews her out, and she, uh, she says, don't take me for a wicked woman. Bren praying her out of my great anguish and grief. Eli sends her to counseling. No, it's a very short sentence. Go in peace. May the God of Israel grant you what you've asked of him. So he just says, move along. Uh, may God do what you ask. 
not a very profound prayer. It's not extended. Um, but she says, may your servant find favor in your eyes. And then she went her way, ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. Something triggered in her heart, and in a sense, belief was there. Or a, you know, an acceptance in the Lord of whatever my lot is my lot, but to get up and eat means there's been a change of heart. And so there's bitterness or there's anguish. It, it's not there in that moment. And she goes and eats. They go home. It says, in the course of time, Hannah conceived and gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel. Because I asked the Lord for him. Samuel means God has heard. So she, she just puts that name on God heard my prayers. She stays home the next however long until he's weaned which could have been extended in those days. But after he's weaned, they bring a sacrifice, and she gives him back. Surely as I live, my Lord, I'm the woman who stood here beside you praying. I prayed for this child, and the Lord granted me what I asked of him. I gave him to the Lord for his whole life. He'll be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. Now, we have the books 1 and 2 Samuel, but what we recognize is a powerful man of God in Israel's history, a prophet who led the nation for a number of years, same prophet that anointed Saul, same prophet that anointed David, a man who gave great leadership to that whole kingdom, coming out of this union, coming out of this sorrow, coming out of this prayer to the Lord, and out of this dedication. Incredible thing. In the second chapter, um, there's a passage where she uh, gives her song to the Lord. And then it says, as was mentioned, each year his mother made him a little robe, took it to him when she went up. Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife, saying, May the Lord give you children by this woman to take the place of the one she prayed for and gave to the Lord. And they would go home. And the Lord was gracious to Hannah. She conceived and gave birth to three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, Samuel grew up in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to stop there. I just, I want to come back to this thing and say, there may be sorrows in your life. There may be relationship connections that you can't avoid. There may be anguish and bitterness that settles in on you because of those situations. Your hope is in the Lord. Your opportunity for change lies with him. You can't, you can't necessarily just push aside that relationship, but you have opportunity to place your hope in the one who is faithful and know that he can step in and do all that's needed. Doesn't always mean that the situation outside changes, but what changes often is the internalization of such things where such barbs no longer wound. And in some cases, there's this wonder of miraculous that goes beyond anything that we can do on our own. In this case, you have a woman dedicated unto the Lord whose sorrow was turned for great victory for Israel. 
we rejoice in such stories knowing they are available for us as well. Stand with me, will you? I almost always forget communion. Got close. Let's pray and then we're going to continue. <laughs> Should we sit? Should we sit? You can do whatever you want in this moment. I thank you for this privilege of reading your scripture and recognizing people in situations that often mirror our own or who have sorrows that have exceeded our own and yet recognizing that the hope and the solution come from the same source. You are our faithful, loving God. And I ask for your spirit to intervene on behalf of those who are wrestling with bitterness or anguish or sorrow or have been pushed into situations of rivalry that they can't seem to get out of. And I'd ask for healing of the heart. Thank you that we can trust you for this. Amen.